Pray with me this morning. Father, we thank you for the many, many ways that you've blessed us. We ask that you would continue to speak to us this morning through your word. We ask that you would uh, accomplish your purposes in us and through us in that word, Lord, so that we may know exactly what you called us to do. Amen. The microphone works better when it's, you know, turned on. I do want to mention that we are going to do a communion a little bit later. It's going to be a little different and it's going to feel a little weird, but uh, just strap in. It'll be fine. I do want to remind those folks who are at home that if you haven't had a chance yet to go and get some uh, juice and, uh, and some uh, bread to uh, share communion with us, then the sermon is a perfectly good time to go do that. So anyway, you know it's true, right? Have you ever noticed how kids want to grow up to be independent, right? From like the very first get-go, they want to be on their own. They want to be in charge of their lives. Um, independence is a great American virtue, and it's been celebrated this weekend. I don't know about where you live, but we had fireworks going from about 8 p.m. to about 8 a.m. this morning. And when I was out walking this morning, there's firework residue everywhere I went. And so, you know, we celebrate this Independence, it's kind of an American thing, this notion of independence. And so all the celebrations with all the fireworks, etc. this weekend. Now I had two opportunities to parent teenagers. Um, did the first go around, it seemed to go okay, but apparently I needed a remedial course. And so uh, when I married Pastor Laura, uh, my stepson, uh, Matthew, stepped into my life. And uh, one of the most memorable experiences I had with Matthew, and he's a really good kid and he's turned out to be a fine young man. But I can share with you today that one of the most memorable experiences I had with him was one day we just said he had to do something. You know, it was probably something really simple like he had this habit of when we had a bag of potato chips, he wouldn't just pour some out and a bowl for himself. No, he would reach in his giant claw-sized hand, grab some potato chips, and when he was done, all that was left was what I called chiplets. That was all that was there in the bag. And so I just encouraged him to, you know, get some in a bowl for himself. He looked at me and he said, you're not the boss of me. And then 10 minutes later, he asked us to upgrade his cell phone. So, you know... So it's kind of hard for us to hear this call to be uh, dependent, but, but today we need to listen carefully to Jesus, because he's going to call us to make a declaration not of independence, but a declaration of dependence. And so today, on this 4th of July weekend, we need to realize that since Jesus is the only true vine, the only way to be genuinely nourished in our spirits and to be productive in the kingdom for him is to fully depend on him. So I'm going to ask you to look up on the screen. We're going to be in the uh, Gospel of John, chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. If you're watching at home, you can look on the website. Just to the right of the picture, there's a uh, Bible translation option there for you. You can follow along there. If you have a smartphone, you can always put a Bible translation uh, app on your phone uh, and uh, follow along. So I want to encourage you this morning to listen to Jesus John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. Jesus says you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And catch this last phrase. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In 2018, long, long ago, pre-pandemic days, we did a little weekly series on the I Am sayings of Jesus, except for this one. And uh, it it fits today, and that's kind of why I was kind of putting it aside until the 4th of July kind of rang around close to a Sunday. But I think it's good to go back and review those I Am sayings from the Gospel of John, just so we can kind of get up to speed to where Jesus is at this morning. When he shares these words with us. So in John chapter 8 verse 58. Jesus said before Abraham was I am. It was his essential declaration. That he was exactly. Exactly God. In John chapter 6. He said I am the bread of life. Jesus is our nourishment. He's our sustaining power. In John chapter 8 verse 12. He said I am the light of the world. He enables us. Jesus enables us to really see the world as it is. And to reflect his love. And light and care to those around us. In John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the sheep gate. Jesus is the clearly marked entry into relationship with God. In John chapter 10, verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the real center of care and leadership. And oh, by the way, don't, when we hear the word sheep and shepherd, don't think of ourselves as cuddly little cute animals, because that's not the biblical notion of sheep. Sheep folks are not very smart. They need leadership. And that's why Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It was the episode where he resuscitated Lazarus from the dead. And in that resuscitation, we see a kind of power that had never, ever been seen before. And which is available to those of us who follow Jesus, including the ultimate defeat of death itself. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one one way. Biblically, there's only one way to establish connection with God, and it's through Jesus. So this today, we get to the final I am in the Gospel of John. And again, I waited for this weekend because it hits in a particular way. Because you and I, we are independent creatures. We love to be independent. But that's not what Jesus is going to get at today. Verse 1 of chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. All true spiritual nourishment comes through Jesus. In fact, this word that's translated true in in the versions of the Bible we have in front of us, it means genuine as opposed to counterfeit. Because there are false vines. There are artificial vines. There are lots of them out there. We mentioned this before a couple of weeks ago. When we talked about Jesus plus, adding anything to the completed work of Jesus is a false vine. Or Jesus minus, anything that subtracts from the person that Jesus is and what the Bible affirms him to be is a false vine. Jesus has exclusive standing as the way, the truth, and the life. We need to be careful to hear that Jesus is calling us. To understand that he is the true vine. And that he calls for our ultimate allegiance. Now, sometimes I think we have trouble with rank ordering our allegiances. 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, right? When we say that, we're acknowledging that we have some kind of allegiance to the, the nation that the flag represents. But sometimes I think, my observation is that sometimes we get our allegiances out of order. Because biblically, if we have a relationship with Jesus, our first allegiance is to him. Now I say this as a person wearing my stars and stripes socks today. (laughs) And as a person who spent over 20 years in the service of our nation in the U.S. military, I understand allegiance to our nation, but I also understand there's a higher allegiance. This biblical allegiance, it's our call to serve Jesus. So... With that kind of the background then, what does Jesus ask us to do in this passage? What is our call? Our call is to remain, abide is the word in the Bible, abide in Jesus. He says it twice in verses 4 and 5. We sustain and nurture our relationship with Christ by using those means he has provided to us. In the original language of the New Testament, this is what's called a present imperative. Aren't you glad you showed up for a grammar lesson today? It's a present imperative, which means two things. One, imperative means it's a command. The present tense in the original language of the New Testament means it's ongoing action. You get it? Consistent command to abide in Jesus. Now, if it's so important to remain in him, how exactly exactly do we do that? I made a mistake in high school, just the one that I can recall. I made a mistake. I signed up for calculus. So I showed up in class the first day, and I opened the textbook. And except for the page numbers, I turned to the person next to me. I said, there are no numbers in this book. It's all signs and symbols and equations. And what? there's no numbers in here except for the page numbers. Well, I'm glad to say that remaining in Jesus is not calculus. It's simple math. First... We must have a personal relationship with Jesus. John chapter 3, verses 3 and 7, Jesus said, you must be born again. This is not some kind of optional exercise. It's clear from Jesus. You must be born again. And I love that story because that, those, those words from Jesus, they show up in this conversation that Jesus has with this teacher of the law, a guy named Nicodemus, who comes to him in the evening time to avoid the crowds probably and And uh, Jesus is kind of quizzing him, and he's kind of quizzing Jesus. And Jesus is very clear with this guy who was absolutely an expert in everything that the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, had to say. He was a teacher of the law. And Jesus says to him, this accomplished teacher of the law, you must be born again. So we start there with our personal connection with Jesus. And then we continue with this awareness in verse 2 that there is always pruning in the Christian life. Live plants. Now, I'm not a gardener. I'm not a plant keeper. Um, I have a brown thumb and not a green thumb. If you give me a plant, I'll kill it. That's a guarantee. But live plants, as I understand it, are pruned to be more fruitful. For a long time, uh, I worked uh, with a woman in the hospice world. She was a really gifted leader and uh, my former boss and I walked into her office one day, and she had plants all over the place. And I walked into her office one day, and she has this one plant on her desk. And she's like going to town on this thing. She's ripping off leaves and cutting things away. And it had all these leafy things on it. And by the time she was done, it looked like a really poor little twig. 
And I said, uh, Kathy, what in the world are you doing? It looks kind of ruthless to me. And she said, you need to take off what wasn't helping the plant grow. And that's what Jesus says here. There is pruning in the life of a Christian. And sometimes, folks, this is not easy. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to us about things in our lives, uh, even relationships or connections or whatever that we have. God will say to us, listen, this isn't helping you grow. This is holding you back. The second piece of this clear uh, addition thing is to remain in his word. On Wednesday evenings when we've been having our little time of a prayer and uh, And uh, sharing in the word over Zoom on Wednesday evenings, uh, we've been going through Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 16 says, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the essential nature of God's word in the life of a Christian, right? We, we, We camped on this idea that it is the word that informs us, or at least it's supposed to. It's the Bible that speaks to us about who we are, where we are, and what God has called us to be. So we remain in his word. Plus, we remain in worship of him. Psalm 150, verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is like an essential cornerstone of the Christian life, is this notion of worship. And so when the pandemic thing hit, right, the first thing we thought about was, oh, my gosh, we're not going to be in the building. What's worship going to look like? And we cobbled together some stuff to kind of keep that notion going because we are people who are created to worship the creator. And when we don't, we feel that absence, even if it's just a dim echo in our minds, because we've let that voice that has has been speaking to us about it kind of fade away because we haven't been hanging around with God much. But we were built to worship. And so let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's been different over the last few months. But I have been reminded over the last few months that worship is core to who we are. Sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone. So we add to all those things. We add in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, remaining in the company of believers. And again, this has been a little more complicated Over the last couple, three months, the writer of Hebrews says this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. One of the primary functions of being together in the body of Christ is to catch that encouragement that our sisters and brothers can speak to us in difficult moments. Of course, that presumes that we're going to be transparent and open and honest about what's going on in our lives. But Getting together for for fellowship and connection is a key piece of this way that we remain in Jesus, the way we abide in Christ. Uh, Back in Colorado 100 years ago in the church that I was at in there, there, um, we had a church softball team. We didn't play in the church community church softball league because those people were really kind of stinky, nasty people. I got to tell you. We played in the community league. We did that on purpose because we wanted to demonstrate that it's possible to be a Christian and have a good time and not be a bad sport about it. So we played in the community league. One year, we actually won the league championship. But I had a teammate on this 
uh, team, the softball team. His name was Corey. Still, his name is still Corey. He played shortstop, and I played first base. Whenever Corey fielded the ball, I panicked because he threw the ball just short of the speed of light from shortstop to first base. I mean, when that thing hit my glove, it was like a rocket landing in my hand. And I had to be really, really, really careful. I had to be really, 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 really aware and ready for him because usually and frequently he would throw the ball to me. And he was really good. He'd like, he was one of those shortstops that could be anywhere. So he'd back up into the into left uh, field a little bit and he'd be, he'd be getting, those, he'd field those one hoppers that are really difficult to field. And from that position, kind of off balance, he'd throw the ball towards first base. And sometimes it would take one hop to get to me because he was that far away. But inevitably, each and every game, when he was playing shortstop and I was playing first base, he would, at some point in the game, hit me with that ball. Now, of course, his main concern was that having been hit by the ball, I stopped it so I could still make the play at first base. I called that being choreographed every game. But one of the things that was magical about that experience was the way in which that team came together, the way in which the team had this kind of fellowship, and that the fellowship that spilled over into those other teams in that community, community league, because we are supposed to be meeting together to encourage one another. And then we add to those things, we add remaining in prayer. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 Um, The Apostle Paul says, In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So you see, it's not calculus. It's not some weird formula. It's a simple math thing. We add our personal relationship with Jesus to those other things that keep us positioned to abide in Jesus. And what's the result? In this passage, what's the result? We will, Jesus says, bear much Fruit. Bear much fruit. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 unpacks what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He says, against such things there is no law. And this has to do with opening ourselves to the Holy Spirit for godly character development. It doesn't happen by accident. It's a purposeful endeavor. It's about who we are at the core of our being. This call that we have from Jesus to bear much fruit. Character, godly developed character, then informs everything that we do. This is why a relationship with Jesus is prior to all the other stuff that he asks us to do. Because whatever we're doing, good deeds, whatever those things are, Whatever we're doing flows from gratitude to God for the work that he's done on our behalf in Jesus. So, fruit of the Spirit. And and the question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, well, you really don't have to ask yourself, but I'm going to ask it for us, is who are we becoming in Christ? Is there any forward movement, or are we still the same? I can say this um, as gently as I can, uh, people uh, I have known in the body of Christ who, um, you know, they would have a personal encounter with Christ and they would have had that encounter 40 years ago and they would say to me, I've been a Christian for 40 years. 
And I'd say, you know what, brother? It's possible you've been a Christian for one year 40 times. Because there hasn't been any forward movement or little discernible forward movement. And so from that fruit that is spiritual primarily comes a fruit of good works then. You see the sequence? Relationship with Jesus, abiding in him for that godly character development, for the fruit of the Spirit to to burst from us, and then comes the things that God has called us to do. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says this, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is the active outworking of biblical faith. And let me tell you, um, when I was in the military, you know, some folks signed up for one enlistment, and then there were other people they called lifers, right? Because they were in for the duration. In fact, I've known some people that if, if it didn't come to, you know, mandatory retirement age, they'd still be in the military because they were lifers. When we are in the body of Christ, we're lifers. And I don't care. I was kidding with Paula uh, Wheeler on the Zoom call the other day, and we were talking about young people and whatnot, and I said something like this, tongue-in-cheek. I said, yeah, our youth group, that's the people in their 60s, I think. doesn't matter how long we've been around. We are called to be consistently fruitful for Jesus. Psalm 92. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. Do you see this ongoing call for continuous spiritual development, for continual fruit of, of good works happening in our lives? Here's the thing. One thing I know for sure is that when God thinks our time is up, he has a very specific way of letting us know that. Pulse stops. Up until that moment, as long as we have the faculties and the energy to do it, God has called us to continue to grow in Christ. Because here's the thing at the end of the passage in John chapter 15 and verse 5. Apart from him, we can do Nothing. Verse 4 says, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. When my kids were small, um, they would occasionally watch Bob the Builder. Did you ever see that little cartoon show, Bob the Builder? You remember that, right? Bob would say, Can we build it? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Well, I'm sorry to the Bobs among us, On our own, we can't build it if it is godly character and sustained engagement in kingdom stuff. This is kind of the the Bible teacher, preacher's uh, dilemma. Because we always want to camp on grace. We want to preach grace, grace, God's grace. We want to have folks understand that God's gracious action in our lives precedes everything else. But God has created us for a purpose. God has created you for a purpose. So we don't ever confuse our own efforts with the, with the means of our own salvation. We don't, we're not working our way into heaven because we couldn't do it. 
But once that relationship is established, God has called us to do stuff, to, to develop that godly character, to be active in service to him. So again, this is the 4th of July weekend, and we're celebrating the American Declaration of Independence. And as Americans, you know, we like to focus on, celebrate, and revel in our independence, both national and personal. But you and I, we both know, wink, wink, nod, nod, it's not absolute. Because we begin as helpless babies, right? And then all along the way, even when we don't think we need it, we need wisdom and support. I can remember calling my dad when I was 50, 55, saying, hey, dad, here's what I'm facing. What do you think? And then, in an ironic way, sometimes on the very end of that cycle, we often depend, end up depending on the very kids who depended on us at the beginning. Do you see what's happening there? It's the reality of dependence. And you and I are ultimately depending on God. So celebrate the 4th of July. Knock yourself out. Firecrack your way to wherever you want to go. But let's not miss this. There's something more important worth celebrating. Our absolute dependence on the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So today, I want to call us to Make a declaration of dependence to be willing to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I understand. I fully and completely understand that I depend on you.